0: Good morning. We are Dave and Judietti. and in just a few seconds, we're going to roll this one-minute video that I think kind of encapsulates why we went. But as you look at it, know that you were a big part in getting us there and keeping us there, and we also believe it kind of shows why we believe God is calling us back. Paul mentioned the location, the geography. There is a Guinea-Bissau in the upper bulb of Africa. Papua New Guinea is an island, a large island, size of California, right above Australia.
1: I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Our heart's desire and prayer to God for the Papua New Guineans is that they may be saved There is no place that any person can go. In Papua New Guinea, we're white skins. There's no place white skins can go that the Holy Spirit has not gone on before to prepare the way. Romans 10, beginning in verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is with the heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, American and Papua New Guinean. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear if the scripture isn't in a language they understand?
0: Okay, go to the first slide. Let's talk a little bit about our assigned roles. Uh, But before that, um, Judy and I, our mission organization is Wycliffe Bible Translators. So let's say that one of you individually, or you as a couple, let's say that God started working on your heart and you were called into this work of Bible translation in Papua New Guinea. What happens is you go through some training here, then you jump off into Papua New Guinea. And with help of linguists, other linguists there, and language workers, you decide where in the world, in the country, God is calling you, and you jump off into that village. The first thing you do is get their permission. You meet the big man, the guy who's responsible for those folks in that village, be it 200 or 2,000, and you get his permission to live among them. You get their permission. You, you get as best as you can, they're understanding that, yes, we want the Bible in a language we understand best. So, over the next weeks and months, then you become friends, just like you moved into a new neighborhood here. You become friends with these folks, and you get to know a relatively small group of folks very well. And, some of those become your, transla- your translator helpers. So you begin to pick up objects, and you say, what do you call this in your language? And you write those words down now, what, they, what linguists do that are trained in America. They begin to write down these words phonetically, just as we hear them in our, with, our, with our alphabet. And doing that, talking back and forth, just using nouns and objects, you begin to develop ABCs for them. Uh, basically the same you do as you do with the, your own child, teaching them how to read. Then, because Papua New Guineans are a storying culture, you began to help them write down their history, their stories, the heroes in their village, the funny stories. And then, you finally began to translate the scriptures from the Greek and the Hebrew in to the language you are developing. So, as you live among these people for the next 15 to 20 years, you write down the scriptures. You translate from the Greek and Hebrew into this new language you are developing. But it takes approximately three or four times your number. It takes three or four people back in Ukurumpa where Judy and I live, in the Highlands, 5,000 feet elevation, to, to support you. We have, well, Judy's a high school teacher to teach linguists, high school students, and nationals too, as she'll talk about later. We have IT guys, just like you have IT guys here, to help with your computer problems with your translation. We have a whole host of clinic folks and a clinic that not only serves our missionaries but serves the whole valley in a marvelous way. Um, we have guys like me that work on the roads. It rains sometimes three meters a year, uh, over three yards a year, and so the roads wash away. And because of all the water, we have to. Also, my guys also keep the water off the center, get it off, guide it off of the center um, uh, safely. And so we have a whole host of folks supporting the linguists out in the village. Okay, so this very quickly, this is a, a crew of my guys. We'll just run through these very quickly, and then I'll speak just a bit more about my work. This is a, uh, a, a work site out at the aviation. Another uh, ditch-digging operation. And and yet another ditch-digging operation to save a guy's driveway. Uh, This is a security fence behind us. About 800 to 1,000 folks live on center. Uh, The river was washing away some yards on the south side of the village, so I was working on a project to to help out that situation. Uh, My department, the department that I am section head over, has all the big machinery. I have to steal away the time to get in the big machine because they're so good at it. They will, they will let me drive it from one side of the, to the yard to the other. That's about it. <laughs> security fence again. We had a, a breach. We have breaches all the time, security fence. There, Papua New Guineans that are rascals, they're not interested so much in hurting us, but they do want our stuff. Uh, building a small playground so ladies and the men can leave their children out in the playground while they go into the store or the hardware to get their stuff. Another uh, excavation project out at the airstrip, which is about 20, 15 minutes away from our center. This is bridge embutment, uh, renourishment. Fuel comes up now. You might, if, if you're on Facebook with us, you see the bridge, the bridge collapsed about a month ago. And so we, because the bridges aren't so great, we bring fuel up. We used to have a tank tainer, but now we bring it up by the 50-gallon drum. So when we get it up, we have to pump it in to our bigger containers. And this, will, this is one of the things we use. And this is another uh, road project. Rain just destroys our roads. So this is one of my projects of bringing the roads back up to usable standards. Another road, uh, Water Barrett had failed, so this crew of mine was digging it out. I got a chance, some of you know I worked in Parks and Rec here in Albemarle for 30 years, so I ordered from my, because there were no basketball goals in the little park there in Ucarumpa, so I ordered from my uh, supplier here in Stanley County what we call ghetto goals. uh, So all the whole village kids could hang on this thing at one time. So they've really enjoyed playing on that over the, over the three years we've been there. And we lose power about, we lose electric power about an hour a day on the average. So it's, our department's job is also to keep the generators in good repair. And this was uh, getting rid of clinic uh, waste, medical clinic waste safely. another example of getting the water off of the center safely. Uh, electric line renovation. That's my boss behind me. Uh, he let me get up in the lines. Some more uh, aviation um, airstrip renovation. Digging an old uh, tank that they did not need. We're, we stored it now in case we do need it in the future. My department is also responsible for getting trees. We're, we live in a jungle, so trees grow very quickly. So if it, it uh, gets close to what we think is, might be harmful to your house or your solar panel, we trim it or take it down. Sometimes electrical switches don't make automatically, so we, when we get calls from folks up the hill, we have to go and make the switch manually. And this is... a. Uh, Weekend work, getting water to a young single lady's house that uh, her drinking water was not going in. So that's one of our weekend jobs. And this is uh, the the same sinkhole that we showed first. Uh, but my guys also won't often let me sling a hammer. They're good at it, and so I have to send them off for another job so I can come back and make it safe for them to be in the hole. This is some job at our at our. New Missionaries Training Center uh, that I got a chance to do. I think this is the last one we'll hold here. Uh, Again, we have break-ins, and so part of our job says weekend weekend duty is to make it safe for the weekend until my guys that are welders come back and fix that. Let me very quickly say that I had a great time in my job here in Stanley County for 30 years as park superintendent. I really didn't develop a lot of hard skills. I wasn't a great carpenter or electrician or plumber. But what I did get a chance to do is use what God put in me in conflict resolution and crew management. And that's exactly what our God called me to there in Papua New Guinea. Missionaries leave the field for the same reasons that we leave our work. Can't get along with our workmates. And so that's how God decided to use me there as a crew manager Uh, These guys are very well-skilled. They just want some white guy telling them what to do. And so, but also he uses me when we had trouble in our department with one guy can't getting along with another. Um, I feel like God uses me there to get us back together again.
1: The reason he's so good in conflict management is he's been married to me. And if he can handle me, he can handle any group of anybody anywhere. Okay, so for the next slide... I think it shows some of my students. We have students from, at times, ten different nationalities. Our senior class had nine different nationalities. So this is one of my, my math classes. I taught math and consumer economics there. Sometimes they do crazy things. So they had an amazing race one night, and they had to come to my house, and I had to teach them a dance, so this is some of them after they've learned the dance. So this is some of the students and some of the fun, crazy stuff we do there, just like any other school anywhere. The senior girls, all of the classes from seventh grade on are put into a community group with adults. And they meet with them once a week, our youth study there is called Soul purpose they meet on sunday nights and then during the week we meet with them i had half the senior girls this is all the senior girls but the lady in your upper right is the other counselor but these are our 10 girls uh in the senior class who graduated this year and i'm looking at them and except for one um they're all in the united states in university one of them's from australia uh, and so she's going to school there These girls were just amazing to work with. This is just another group that's on our campus. We have age 3 through grade 6 at our primary campus and grades 7 through 12 at our secondary campus. One of my things that I'll be doing in the next months is going around to colleges and universities and trying to encourage young teachers to go there. Because if you're a teacher, this is teacher paradise. Number one, you have no discipline problems. So you get to teach and you get to have fun with your students. Number two, you're living in a beautiful country. So if you're adventurous, you want to go snorkeling in a place that's like a fishbowl. You want to see some beautiful, beautiful areas. You want to live in a village for a little while and see how the people live. This is the place for you. Here we call it Vacation Bible School. There they call it Holiday Bible School. Here we have Vacation Bible School in June and July. There they have it in January because they're on year-round school. And you can just keep scrolling through those if you want to. These are kids who came to our two Vacation Bible Schools. 600 kids who came to two different churches. We traveled out every day hauling all our stuff. It rained every day. We put tarps down on the ground so we wouldn't be sliding in the mud. And you can see this is just one of them. This was at the um, SDA church. They're very, very strict. They worried about what we would wear. Um, they would not let, them, let us in their church building, but they let us use their grounds. So this is where we went every day. This is where I went. Um, they're also in one other church. And during that week, the main thing was to teach them about Joseph. You see, hard things happen in Papua New Guinea, and it's hard to understand where's God. Can you think of a better story in the Bible about how God works in, in circumstances that are bad? And in Papua New Guinea, it's a shame culture. You do not shame someone. If you shame someone publicly, you may end up with an ax in the back of your head. It's a very, very serious offense. For Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery would have shamed his family unbelievably. It's unforgivable in Papua New Guinea culture. For Joseph to forgive, they knew that had to be something supernatural. That had to be from God. And so that's what we were teaching them. To give you an idea of the language, as Dave said, there's over 800 languages. The trade language is Tok I'm going to read you the Bible verse and see if you can guess where is this in the Bible. You save. God, he save. Make em all get to something. He walk one time. Belong make good. Long oman, man. He save. Give him bell. Belong all on God. Em this oman, old man. God, he talk penis. Long kiss em back old. Now, Emmy mock him all. Too belong. Come up one kind. all same pig belong him. That's Romans 8, 28 and 29. So that was the memory verse that week. I had the older girls and was able to work with them. And again, we had professions of faith. We had children asking more and more questions about God. But 600 children who walked every day to one of these two churches for holiday Bible school. Christmas Day and other days, we have a village very close to us called Ukarumpa Village. You get there across, um, I'm going to call it a bridge, a bridge. You would not call it a bridge. It's horrible. It looks like it got bombed in World War II. And you walk across this bridge. Dave would walk across it at night. I would not walk across it at night. I barely got across it in the daytime. We went to Ukarumpa Village, and we would take banana cake, oatmeal cake, candy. We would visit with the families. Everybody wants to touch you. Everybody wants to talk to you. But the big thing was to show them that, sure, we're missionaries at Ukarumpa, but we care about you. We're surrounded by other villages. To be able to go out there and visit them is amazing. You can see what some of their houses look like. You see them in the background. This was a family we adopted. The boy on the front row has cerebral palsy. He walks across that bridge. I felt pretty stupid not being able to walk across that bridge. His name is Killen, and he's all over center. Uh, He's in church every chance he can get. He sings at the top of his lungs. Uh, And he's loved by his family. Uh, Any handicapped people in Papua New Guinea, you don't usually see them. But he is very, very loved by his family. He loves the Lord. And those little hats on their head, our store gave away popper things. You pull them and things pop out. These little hats came out of it. And the kids just loved it. So this is one family. This is just one family. The man on the front. Usually Papua New Guineans don't live that long. So he has a tremendous history, and to go and visit with them was a great thing for us, and we really enjoyed it. This, again, is still visiting there on Christmas Day with some neighbors of ours. And this is the road in the village.
0: Okay, so holiday Bible school and Christmas Day celebration are some things that Judy and I do outside of our assigned roles. We are responsible to Wycliffe to, for Judy to teach school and for me to be a part of construction and maintenance however my ball steams fit. So, but we do have times, uh, nights and weekends, that we choose other things. This one is the Jesus film. Um, so we just walk into a village or drive to a village. Uh, our tech crew four or five of us set up a generator and a, a a bed sheet and put on loud music and tell everybody to go home, get their parents, and come back. And in half an hour, we start the Jesus film. And a lot of folks in Papua New Guinea, a lot of folks do not have access to movies or TV. And so just having moving pictures up on a screen is a draw. But to see them... Watch the history of Jesus and, how, and their reactions is a mighty thing. And so God uses this activity uh, as Judy and I have taken high school students and we've also gone as just couples or a few adults. Uh, so something that we enjoy in this old life adventure of ours as we spend in Papua New Guinea. Some of the other things... We do, this is, Judy and I have adopted a young lady who's a linguist out in the village. Uh, And so we speak to her on the radio one day a week to make sure she's got what she needs, make sure she's got what she needs to come back after about five weeks in the village. And so this is communication. Another thing we, my boss lets me do. And this is a Bible study that Judy was talking about that uh, this, this guy, white skin on the left, Daniel, this is the love of his life, Sunday night Bible study. And so I just tag along and have a great time. Another shot of Bible study. Guy on the right, uh, Peter, is the head of our, was when we left, the head of our language resources department. So he's out there enjoying this Bible study with us too. If you have a question about that later, I'll be glad to talk to you. This is Judy and I visiting during, I don't think it was Christmas Day, but it was during the Christmas season, the hospital, our closest hospital. You can see it's nothing like our hospitals here in the States. If you, want, if, you, if you go into the hospital, your family is going to bring you food or you're not going to get any. And you're going to bring, your family's going to bring you water and blankets or you're not going to have any. we were taking now uh, um, a workshop building from one, one part of the center that a linguist had bought. And she was extending the size of her translator house for when her translators come to visit. I have guys that are on my crew that come to my house, I used to have me make the mistake of giving them a little bit of money often, and I, I realized that they were becoming dependent on that, and so now, when they come, we just pray I, and we story, and I send them off. But they still come, because they know that God answers prayer. Uh, we had a young couple that was in translation work for a few weeks. It was on, on center, come to our house so they would kind of get to know us a little and we, we'd get to know them. This is a room full of linguists and non linguists. Judy and I are not trained linguists. The goal for Papua New Guinea, I mean, for Wycliffe in Papua New Guinea, is to have all the languages, 280 that are left, to be started by 2025. At our present rate, it's not going to happen. So they gathered us all together and say, okay, what are we going to do about this? Well, through two days of great meetings, a Go group was developed and that group has begun work on multi-language initiative. And so they are trying to tackle, this new group that's going out is trying to tackle 9 to 12 languages on a place called the Bamu River in Papua New Guinea. And we are we are thrilled that this is going on. Uh, th- this kind of new creative work is going to have to happen if those languages, 280 that are yet left in Papua New Guinea, that are untranslated, are going to make it. Okay, a few slides on the travel in Papua New Guinea. This is one of the bridges that Judy loves to go across. This is a bridge near our home. Uh, probably eight kilometers away, that we this time could not take our vehicles across. We had to walk across and carry our cargo across. So, travel in Papua New Guinea, you must, as white skins, uh, we learn, as missionaries, we learn to plan for the unexpected. Um, you do that. You must plan for your own safety, for the safety of the cargo that you might be carrying and the passengers that you might be carrying. But what I learned the most was because if you get stuck after dark, somebody from center is going to come looking for you. And so if you did a good job planning and gets you back on center before the sun goes down, you are also protecting the would-be rescuers that would be coming after you.
1: About four hours from us, you don't talk about how far something is. You talk about how long it takes you to get there. About four hours from us is a city called Lay, And there, there's a ministry called Lay City Mission. And they minister to young Papua New Guinea men, teaching them about Christ, teaching them to read and write because many of them never finished school uh, or they never were in school long enough to learn. They're given jobs to do in the beginning. They're cutting grass with a bush knife. So if you can imagine taking a long knife and cutting your grass with it, they dig ditches and they sleep on the floor. And after three months, if they have obeyed all the rules and done what they're told, they get to move up to kind of like a dorm and then they learn new skills. And so they keep getting promoted. At the end of three years, the maximum time that they can stay there, they will have marketable skills so that they can earn a living and raise their family. And 99% of them have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lay City Mission also has a battered women's shelter, which allows the women to stay for three days. Normally, women are not battered unless the man is drunk, so they figure three days gives him a time to sober up. They can only stay three days. But they also have an AIDS orphanage. Papua New Guineans will always take in other people's children, but they will not take in children whose parents have died of AIDS because of such of a stigma. And so this orphanage had 25 kids um, there, and Dave and I were able to take this, this year's senior class twice to work there. And so in a minute, we're going to show you some slides. But before I do that, I have to tell you something because three of my grandchildren are here when I was in the nursery. But this past Christmas, Stone, Engage, and Kemp actually will be part of the people I'm thanking in this slide presentation because they didn't get any Christmas presents from us this past year. Their Christmas presents were given to this orphanage. So at the end of this, this slide presentation, when you see the gifts there, you need to know, Stone, Engage, and Kemp, that some of those are from you. And I told them, these are from my grandchildren. These are from mine. grandmother is called Boo Boo, and don't try that, uh, here. It's interesting. But these kids are so grateful for what we did. I want you to see how much fun we had with the high school seniors. See some of the work at Lay, C- at Lay City Mission, where our guys and two of our girls, who don't particularly like working with children, worked at the, or- at the mission. Our girls and I were at the orphanage, along with one other man from... Um, from And so this is a slide presentation to show you what was done there. And Stone and Gage, remember, I'm thanking you too for giving up your Christmas so these kids could have a Christmas.
0: Some of you know that uh, while in Papua New Guinea in, two, in 2012, though I had no symptoms of sickness through a what I think are a miraculous set of events, it was found out that my right kidney was cancerous. So the clinic sent me on an airplane down to, down to Australia, and they took my right kidney out. Uh, they put me on a, set of, uh, on a schedule to get scans. Well, as soon as Judy and I, we were cancer-free for several scans, several six-month periods. When we stepped back into the country, into the U.S., the, the scan just recently showed that I had a, a new mass on my lung. So we have begun a new battle. It, ha, it is kidney cancer returned. So we, will, we have begun that battle. So we will start again on Monday. Through all this, Judy and I believe that God continues to confirm that there is much work for us to do in Papua New Guinea. And if he allows, if this whole body of mine will continue, if he allows to give me strength, Uh, we will go back in May. So you pray for us, and we thank you again for your support of us.